It's time for our scripture reading. And uh, let me preface this by saying it's an honor and a privilege to be able to read God's word, not only today, but every day. And our scripture today comes from Mark 4, 26 through 29. Um, And you can follow along in the bulletin or you can read it along with me from your Bible. Um, I think it's kind of fitting that today's reading comes from the parable of the growing of the seed. And as Tim said, it's that time of year and all of the flowers and the trees are bringing forth the new life. And so I think it's kind of fitting today that uh, the scripture comes from uh, uh, Mark 4, 26 through 29. And so I count it an honor and privilege to be able to read God's word. So if you'll follow along with me. Jesus also said the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters the seed on the ground, night and day. While he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own, first the leaf and then the blade. As it pushes through, then the heads of the wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And soon, as the grain is ready, the farmer comes along and harvests it with a sickle. And for the harvest time has come. This is the word of the Lord. So we continue our series on translating Mark's gospel, and we're doing that not simply because we're having the gospel of Mark translated through our own uh, funding uh, on behalf of the, uh, not just the Bumwali people now, there's some new uh, uh, information that we're also going to be helping a group called the Majera, which is another people group in Cameroon as well, and we can explain that a little bit more in the near future. But I'm going to go on and give you uh, the punchline of this. We're translating Mark's gospel not just for the sake of those folks there, but we're translating it uh, and letting it translate through our lives. So it has that double meaning. But the punchline for this morning is the worship destination, which is even as the future can seem troubling, the sovereign God's kingdom is coming. Now I want to review two Greek words that we've talked about before. The first one is diabolos. Uh, It's the Coin a Greek word for devil that you find in the New Testament. Uh, it literally means to throw in front of or to throw across. The uh, prefix dia means in front of or across. Bolos means to throw or to hurl, to catapult. It's, it's uh, where you get words like ballistic, right? And what we're talking about there is how the devil really can throw obstacles in front of us, and yet we should, and Rusty, your song was perfect. I don't know if you realize that. But it started out talking about how the devil can control obstacles in our way, but we need to hold fast. Because again, we need to know that God's kingdom is on the move. It's really on the move whether or not we have a part in it. It's on the move whether or not we are passive or completely indifferent to it. It is indeed on the move. And by the way, a little parenthetical statement found out yesterday from Wallace Haynes that uh, the Bumwali people whom we're reaching out to with the Gospel of Mark Uh, You know, some folks shared the gospel with them the other week, and seven people came to know Christ and were baptized. Thirteen more have since then. 
So now they have 20 baptized believers. So God is indeed on the move even among that people group that we're reaching out to. So, so Diabolos refers to the one who can throw obstacles in our way. That's what Satan does, doesn't he? I mean, he throws detours in our paths. Uh, he throws obstacles that keep us from seeing God, following God as we should, and he throws things in our way that make life more difficult. And yet Christ reminds us that if we hold fast to him, that we will indeed get through it because God's kingdom is on the move. And oftentimes Jesus would tell stories to remind us about that. He called them what? Not stories, but what? Parable. Very good. I heard a young... Who said that? Way to go, Sammy D. Uh, and the children will lead them. Okay. Yeah, and that's, let's put the next word up there because it's the word for parable, parabolos. There's that word bolos again, which means to throw. But parable means to throw beside. Uh, I think I did a whole series called, Oh, the Stories He Threw. Because that's what a parable is, isn't it? You know, Jesus could say... Love your neighbor, be a neighbor, and, and that's a nice little maxim, a nice little spiritual truth. Or he could throw beside that spiritual truth what? A story that fleshes it out, brings it to life, like the Good Samaritan, right? So that's what a parable is. And so we're here to talk about a parable that Jesus throws beside this, this truth that God's kingdom is on the move no matter what. You know, the devil can put us even in doubt sometimes in terms of God's sovereignty and his being on always on the move but but that's just not the case jesus is indeed making sure that his kingdom is continuing to move toward a, a climactic point and it's it's moving with uh, irresistible power so let's throw this story beside it now this is an interesting parable because it's unique to the gospel of mark and that makes it unique because mark wasn't as known for parables really matthew and luke are more known for that but if it wasn't for mark we wouldn't have this parable it's really one of my favorites. It's incredibly simple and yet incredibly profound. So let's talk about this parable. And before we get to that, I want to mention that early on in Jesus' ministry, they were already facing challenges. It's not like he went around for the first two and a half years of his ministry and things were just hunky-dory. No, people were already not believing him in spite of the miracles he performed. People were already working against him, antagonistic toward him, even plotting against him. Look at Mark 3, 6. It says that once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. This is early in the gospel story. Mark chapter 3. Already they're plotting to kill him. You know, already there are people who are against him in spite of all this wonderful ministry that he is doing. And yet, and yet there's such great news. And to me, it's very clear that, you know, Jesus is aware that people are already concerned, people who are his followers, like, you know, they're getting whisperings of bad things going on, and bad things may be coming up down the road. And so what does Jesus launch into in chapter 4? He tells three seed parables back to back. He starts with the parable of the sower of the seed, then he tells the parable of the growing seed, which is our text for this morning, and then he talks about the parable of the mustard seed. Remember, it's the smallest seed, and yet it grows to fruition and is just a huge, huge, uh, huge thing. So, again, he launches into those parables, no doubt, to assure his followers that, look, I've got it. Things are good. This isn't probably growing as fast as you think it should. You know, and there are people who are out to get me, but I've got this. Just, just keep in mind that the kingdom is coming. And there's really three basic messages to this parable that are very basic. We talk about this a lot, uh, just when we talk about our understanding of God, the theology of God. Basically, God is uh, all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is all-loving. Let's talk, first of all, about God is all-knowing. In, in just these four verses, 
you realize Jesus is sharing these incredibly profound truths. Let's look at Mark 4, verses 26 and 27. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. (laughs) That's the farmer. The farmer has no idea how the seed grows. Now, does he worry about that? No. He's just looking forward to the harvest. And in the meantime... He is trusting the germination process. How does that work? He doesn't know the science behind it, but he just trusts that it's going to happen. It's really the seed is the figure in this story who has the power, really has the power. It's this unseen power to grow that the farmer just doesn't understand, but just trusts it, just trusts it. And and it's the omniscient, all-knowing God who knows how all this is going to happen. Now, that's hard for you and I sometimes because we're control freaks, and we want to know how it's all going to pan out, what our role is going to be as it pans out, and what our life is going to be as it pans out, because we want to be in control. But you know what? We don't know how it's all happening. So much of it is unseen, just like the growing of a seed, and yet we must trust and take comfort in the fact that God is all-powerful, and it's moving as he sees fit. But he's not just uh, all-knowing. He is, as I just said, all-powerful. Look at verse 28. The earth produces the crops on its own. I'm going to go back to that. That's that's the most important word in the whole parable. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then the heads of the wheat are formed. And finally, the grain ripens. You know, the growth of the seed, as we said, is out of the farmer's hands. And it the word there for produces on its own is automate. It's where we get, what does it look like? It looks like the word what? Automatic, which means literally what? Self-powering. That's what it means. Self-powered. The earth produces on its own in conjunction with the seed. It grows on its own. It has this unseen and irresistible power, and it's moving in a direction. It's moving toward a climactic point, which is the harvest. And again, we wish we knew the timing of it. Can't you apply that to your life, you know, with something that you're just not sure about, confused about, frightened about, whatever it might be? You wish you could know what God's time is because we want to be in control. But again, does the farmer know when the leaf blade is going to push through? Does the farmer know when the heads of wheat are going to form? Does he know when the grain is going to ripen? Does he know exactly when that's going to happen? No, but he's just trusting that it's going to produce. And it produces on its own automatically, if you will, by its own power. And Jesus, again, is trying to say, my kingdom is coming with irresistible force. It's not of this world, so it's difficult to understand. I'm sure people are asking Jesus, you know, what's going to be your program? How are you going to get this thing done? You know, so we can see it. I'm sure the zealots were like, oh, well, your program ought to be you overthrow the Roman government. Or some of, the, some of the Greco-Roman people who might have been attracted to Jesus would say, no, you, you act like uh, the emperor and like the Roman government, and, and you just keep a you know, strict control over everything. Or, no, you've got to be like one of the Pharisees who can keep all 613 of those laws and has them all memorized. That should be your program. Once you do that, the Messiah will come in fullness. And Jesus says, no, it's none of those. My kingdom is not of this world. It doesn't, it doesn't move along at the timing that you might wish. You know, it's not Kronos time, it's Kairos time, the fullness of God's time. You would love to know, but it's an unknown power, but it's growing automate by its own power. We've got to keep that in mind. You know, the king, God's kingdom is going to triumph even when everyone might be passive or indifferent or feel totally helpless. You know, we don't have to do anything and it's still coming along. Now, Martin Luther 
offered a very unbaptist one-liner explaining the kingdom of God and its coming, and just bear with me. Uh, he wasn't Baptist, as you know, but he said this, while I sit here drinking my little glass of Wittenberg ale, the gospel runs its course. Okay, he, he wasn't Baptist, just keep that in mind, okay? But he's saying, as I sit here doing whatever, the gospel's running its course. The kingdom of God is on the move. You might not see it, or you might not see it exactly in the way that you want it to be seen. But be like the farmer. It's out of your control. You don't know how it's happening, but my gosh, you know, we're just fortunate to be a part of it. <laughs> you know, the kingdom of God will grow in and of itself, and nothing will impede the seed. Nothing will get in its way. It's growing on its own, and it's moving forward. And, and that's really what I'm getting here is, is, is it's such a grace for you and me just to be a part of it. Does God need us? Does God really need us with this whole gospel venture, which will culminate in his return? culminate in our being with him in fellowship in eternity does he really need us no he really doesn't but he wants us why out of love <laughs> he wants to have that relationship with us and our our having the opportunity mark was saying it's such a privilege and honor to study god's word it's such a privilege and honor just to be a part of this life called christianity following christ being christ followers it's such an incredible gift and he offers that out of love and that's where i'm going thirdly and finally god is all loving he's all knowing he's all powerful and then there's this all loving look at the very last verse look at verse 29 and as soon as the grain is ready the farmer comes and harvests it with the sickle for the harvest time has come you know we didn't have to be a part of that we didn't have to be a part of that harvest we don't really have to be a part of this whole process where it's moving toward that but what an opportunity, what a grace, what a gift it is for you and for me. It's such an act of love. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, many of you know uh, O'Teal Burbridge, uh, our dear friend who has played here before, and uh, he's, he's a special friend to me, and he was the bass player for the Allman Brothers Band, and now he's with John Mayer and the remaining Grateful Dead guys. What's the Dead and Company? He tours with them now. Anyway, wonderful guy, and he delivered the eulogy for his brother. His brother Kofi died very tragically of a massive heart attack about two weeks ago, and, and O'Teal gave the eulogy, and he shared a lot from 1 John. 1 John talks a lot about God is what? Anybody want to take a stab at it? God is love. 1 John 4, 7, and 8 and following, it just talks about how God is love. And O'Teal, and, I, and I, he sent me his eulogy that he shared, and he said, you know, if you open up your Bible, and wherever it says God, or the Lord. Try this just for fun. Replace God or the Lord with the word love. Because he said it really fits just as well, sometimes even better. In fact, he posited that, you know what, I think love is a better name for God than God is. I think he's got a good argument. God is love. Love is God. I mean, it's this incredible act of love that he invites us just to be a part of the harvest to be just a small part just an incredibly small part of this incredible wave that is the movement of the kingdom of god that you and i try to fulfill through our missional work right in fact speaking of being just a small part of it but what a gift it is to be a part of that wave i want to show you a video of a guy named laird hamilton he's a surfer and, and he starts off on this wave and it seems you know you can't really tell how big the wave is until a few minutes later, he kind of uh, gets a, uh, what do you call those things, a ski, oh, 
jet ski, thank you. Hey, Brian. Uh, jet ski. And, you know, they get him out there, and then he gets on this wave. And you, and you think, well, it's a wave, but then it really becomes a wave. So let's watch this. You don't know how big it is, and all of a sudden, he's just like this little speck on this massive wave, and think about all those waves coming in. He's just a small part of it. Well, you and I are like a small speck on this movement that we call God's kingdom, which is so not of this world, but is out there on the move, and it's just an act of God's love that you and I simply get to be a part of it. He doesn't need us, but he wants us because of the relationship he wants to have with us. And what a blessing it is for you and me to, part, to be a part of this ministry of translating the Gospel of Mark for the Bamwali people and the Majera people. I'm going to show you another video, and I want you to relax and just really soak this one up. It's a little bit longer, but it's just amazing, and it's even a much, much better depiction of what, than what you just saw of God being on the move. This is a group of people, um, uh, they're, called, they're in Papua, Indonesia, and they're called the Kimyal tribe. And uh, through this ministry, same ministry, I think, the Seed Company, uh, they started translating uh, the New Testament for them. And this is when the completed New Testament from Matthew to Revelation is being delivered to this people group. And just how they respond is so beautiful. And, and I just want you to just, just relish this. Traffic advisory, Mike Alpha Delta from Sintani to Corpo. Now crossing the ridge uh, just above Sela, maintaining 1-2000. There'll be a big party when we land. They'll be dancing and singing, and that'll be pretty amazing. <laughs> Matthew Sanfe, Wahyu, 
Kikitan kalau ini nak, wala, yosim na, ikin, ikin kum, kiaman. The one pastor had said, it says in, in the Gospel of John that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus is that Word, and Jesus is coming, and we need to be there to meet Him. Just blew me out of the water. I thought, Lord, this is how we know that it's you doing something here. And then they handed it off to the older believers and one of the ladies, just spontaneously, I don't think she, they had planned for her to say anything, but she just said, we have taken God's word, we've accepted it, we've put it into our hearts, and now we're going to give it to you young people who need to also take it and accept it and walk with God as he teaches in this Bible. You know, so they handed it off to the younger uh, believers and, uh, you know, the, the crying and the sobbing that took place there was just, it was something totally unexpected to me because I knew they would be happy. But the emotion that came out was just so overwhelming to me. I thought, we have no idea. You know, we have had the Word of God for so long. We have taken it for granted. We've, we, we have resources. We have translations. We have, you know, all these different things. And we don't, we don't cherish it. We don't realize what a precious gift we have and hold in our hands. And these guys were realizing that and saying, God, you've come to us through the Word. that not cool? Just to have a small part in that, which we're even having now, is such an amazing, amazing gift that I hope we don't take for granted. And it's all out of love. He doesn't need us 
to make these things happen. He wants us to be able to be a part of it and savor it. What an incredible gift. It is hard sometimes for us to uh, trust in God's timing. I think it's really cool that, that at the very end of Mark chapter 4, all of Mark chapter 4 has been about a seed growing on its own, at its own pace, just as God's kingdom is coming in its own way, in its own power, in its own pace, in ways that you and I don't know. But it's all ultimately such an act of love culminating with Jesus on the cross and with the empty tomb. But the very last paragraph of Mark 4 was the stilling of the storm. Do you remember that? He tells these stories about God's kingdom coming in its own time and just be patient. But when they were in the midst of a storm and the disciples were concerned about what was going to happen to them, Jesus wakes up, calms the storm, says to the waves, peace be still, and there was. And he looks at them and says, why were you afraid? Have you no faith? I hate it when he asks questions like that. He does that with you and me. But I like to think that, that with Mark chapter 4, there's a beautiful message there, that we've got to trust in God's timing, but when you and I find ourselves in those midst of stormy crises, he can still tell us, hey, I got it. I got it. Let's pray together. May we trust that you are alive and active and moving with this irresistible force, O oh God that is unseen quite a bit, sometimes seen, though, like we just saw in that incredible video. And Lord, just to have a small part in that is such a gift of love to us, and we thank you for that. It's a privilege. It's a grace. May we never take it for granted. And we do ask that even as... as Obstacles are being thrown by the evil one in front of some who are in this room right now, whether it's illness or, or vocational transition or, or, or some other uncertainty involving a loved one, whatever it might be, help us to trust that you've got it. And again, what a grace it is just to know you and be known by you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.